Thanks for joining us for the Portland Police Bureau Talking Beat. This is Public Information Officer Sergeant Kevin Allen. Today on the Talking Beat, Terry Wallace-Strauss of our Strategic Communications Unit has a conversation with Chief Chuck Lavelle. It's a chance for us to ask the chief about what shaped him growing up, his experiences with the Bureau, and what service means to him. When I look back at my just life and career, there were a lot of people in my family who were like, you're going to be a pastor just like your dad. And I was like, nope, probably not. <laughs> but in a way, I look at police work like a ministry. I mean, you get to help people at times uh, when they really need it. You come across people at different times in their life, good and bad. But it's it's a way, I think, to pour some of yourself and your you know, your heart for service into the work you do and really take the time to show people compassion. And, you know, you leave them hopefully with the feeling that, you know, this police officer cared about me. This wasn't just another call for service. Hey, Chief, welcome to the Talking Beat. Hi, Terry. (laughs) So we've been on hiatus for a little bit after this crazy 18 months we've had. And in that time, you became chief. So we haven't had you on as a guest. A lot of people don't know anything personally about you. They just know that you've been the chief since June of 2020. And we'll talk about what you've been doing in a little bit. But let's first back up for a little bit and talk about where you came from. Tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. Well, it all started back in 1973. (laughs) You know, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I lived in Brooklyn until I was seven. And then my family and I moved uh, upstate about two hours to a small town called Wappingers Falls. It's right uh, right outside of Poughkeepsie, if if any of you know where that is. And I lived there till I was 19 and I left to join the Air Force. What made you decide to join the Air Force? Um, I was in school. I was uh, studying criminal justice. I was in my second year of community college, and I essentially ran out of money. I was working two jobs at the time. Um, My dad was ill, so I was trying to help my mom a little bit, but I knew I wanted to finish school, and uh, I was just kind of looking for ways where I knew I could support myself and finish my education, and uh, the Air Force was a good opportunity to do that. Um, Let's back up for a little bit. I just recently learned that your father was a pastor. Tell me about Mm -hmm. that a little bit. Yeah, so I'm a a PK. So my dad, he preached at a church in Brooklyn, and it was actually his uncle or my great uncle's church. It's called Mount Zion Christian Church. And he preached there um, pretty regularly, almost every Sunday. And then when we moved two hours uh, north, he continued to preach there. So I would spend uh, many a weekend in the car driving down to to New York to uh, to hear my dad preach. And a lot of my relatives went to that church as well. And uh, he would often tap me to be part of the service. So I would uh, typically have some kind of reading part or assisting with taking up the collection or had some role I would play on a Sunday down in, in the city. So back to the Air Force then. Tell me about your time there. Sure. Initially, when I was uh, joining the Air Force, I wanted to be a cop in the Air Force. So I took my test and I uh, got my results back and talked to my recruiter. And my recruiter told me, he said, you don't really want to be a cop in the Air Force. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, your, your scores are great. You can have any job you want. He's like, if you're a cop in the Air Force, first thing you need to know is there's not a lot of crime on an Air Force base. 
And two, you're probably going to be standing out in the cold and the heat and the rain and the snow guarding, you know, a gate or a flight line or planes or something like that. He's like, what you want to do is this job in intelligence because you'll get a security clearance, you'll get to travel, do all this cool different stuff. So he actually talked me into taking a job as an intelligence operations specialist in the Air Force. And that's what I did during my four years. After my four years in the Air Force, I was stationed in Virginia at Langley Air Force Base. And then I uh, took a job after that at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. And I did essentially what I did in the Air Force, but as a consultant. So I was a consultant on an intelligence program for the South Korean government. And I worked for the Air Force, South Korean government, and uh, the National Security Agency as a consultant on the program. And I did that for four years. And then at the time, my girlfriend lived here in Portland. I had met someone in the Air Force and she was from from Longview, but went to University of Portland and always wanted to come back to this area. So that's how I ended up uh, coming to Portland. Oh, it's always about love. It's always, it? yeah. <laughs> now, I'm always curious what brings people to Portland. And then how did you find your way to the Portland Police Bureau? Well, you know, I'd always wanted to be a police officer. And while I was um, in the Air Force and you know, working after the Air Force um, in Ohio, I was still studying criminal justice and I ended up getting, finishing my criminal justice degree in uh, 1999. And uh, when I did move to Portland, there wasn't a big defense industry here. I talked to Boeing about a job up in Seattle, but I didn't want to be that far away. And, you know, I kind of came to the realization that maybe it was a good time to try to be a police officer. So I applied with the Portland Police Bureau and then Lo and behold, the rest is history. I started the Academy, Police Corps Academy, in December of 2001, got hired in May of 2002. I forgot that you were a Police Corps. So Police Corps was a federally funded program that helped with, with education costs and if you went through it. And mm-hmm. it was very successful, I believe. Yeah, it was a good program. I'd like to see that program come back. It was basically an effort by the federal government to get college-educated uh, folks into police work. And uh, initially when it started, it paid $7,500 a year for your four years of college uh, for a total of 30000 that they'd contribute to your schooling. And then in turn, you'd commit to working four years for a department that sponsored you. I was the first class where you had to have your degree first, and then they'd reimburse you for school. And then um, you'd work for four years, but you can continue after the four-year commitment as well. Well, that's a good thing because you're still here. Um, so you get through your training, you get assigned. What precinct did you uh, work at after your training? I had the benefit of working at all five precincts we had at the time uh, when I rotated through as a trainee. And I settled into North Day Shift um, when I got off for of probation. Five precincts. Wow. Now we have three. Yeah. <laughs> it was Northeast Precinct at the time. Yeah. 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 What kind of officer do you think you were? You know, I like to think of myself as just a compassionate public servant, one that just kind of really wants to help people. I think, you know, when I look back at my just life and career, there were a lot of people in my family like, you're going to be a pastor just like your dad. And I was like, nope, probably not. <laughs> but in a way, I look at police work like a ministry. I mean, you get to help people at times uh, when they really need it. You come across people at different times in their life, good and bad. But it's it's a way, I think, to pour some of yourself and your 
you know, your heart for service into the work you do and really take the time to show people compassion. And, um, you know, you leave them hopefully with the feeling that, um, you know, this police officer cared about me. This wasn't just another call for service. After you realized your dream of being a police officer, was there anything that surprised you? You know, when I first came here, not being from Portland, I didn't know a lot of the history of Portland and the police bureau. I came here and it was a time where, like many times, I guess, in our history, we're trying to recruit. Uh, we want to recruit diversity. That's very important. And I came here thinking, oh, great. You know, I'll come here, work in Portland. I uh, worked in what was then really the heart of the black community. Um, and there were people who were like, yeah, we want you know, black officers working in the black community. So I show up, you know, Chuck Lavelle want to help everybody and do a great mm-hmm. job. And, you know, I was met with some hostility by people too. Not all the time, but you would, you'd get it from time to time where people are like, oh, why are you working for the man? You know, this, that, and they would cite things that I had no idea about, you know, Burger Barn, um, you know, smoke them, don't choke them. And some historical things that I just didn't have awareness of not being from Portland. So over time I would talk to, you know, older veteran officers who'd been here for a while, community people, and just learn some of the history. And I remember thinking, wow, it would have been nice to know this stuff beforehand. Um, I think it would have helped me to have that context as I you know, started out early in my career. Yeah, I know at one point in training, they did that. They took officers like on a tour and they they talked about some of those dark periods and some of those historical moments so that officers would be more self-aware about some of the you know, you're talking about 25 or 30 years ago when probably a lot of our officers weren't even alive yet. But, you know, these stories and these, you know, these horrific things that happened have sort of been passed down from generation to generation, so they're not forgotten by the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that it's important for officers to realize that. And I know they're still having those conversations and training about it. Yeah, we did the Equity 101 training where we talked a lot about the history of Portland and what what it means when you show up uh, with this patch on your arm and what the city and um, the police bureau represents to some people and a little bit of the history. And I think that's good context for officers to have. So let's go back to you. So then you get promoted to sergeant? Yeah, I went to the school police division um, for about four years. And I worked at Jefferson High School. Um, have a lot of great memories and connections and relationships that came out of there. And then I promoted to sergeant in 2011. And went to where? I went to North, uh, again, to North Precinct, <laughs> this time on night shift as a sergeant. You have a pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> so you're back at North as a sergeant. Mm-hmm. North night shift. I, I enjoyed night shift. The sleep was hard, but, you know, for me, I felt like it was an opportunity to really um, connect with young officers and help young officers. I felt for me, you know, it's difficult when you promote to sergeant fairly early in your career. And if you go to a day shift, per se, you've got veteran officers and you wonder, like, how much do I have to offer, you know, someone who's been here for 25 years already? But I think on night shift, for me, we had a, lo- a lot of younger officers who were eager to work. And I felt like um, going there, I had really the opportunity to, one, uh, connect with them and help them and share some of my experiences to help them do their jobs better be safe and and help take care of them. After North Knights, I went to the detective division and I was there um, in the property crimes unit. So at that time we had detectives who worked in the precincts and uh, I was the 
at the time it was called DCT, Detective Coordination Team. So I was the sergeant for that. And uh, we had, I think, t- about two detectives in each precinct doing um, property crimes cases, mostly helping officers with different cases that they were working on. And that was a great time. I, I learned a lot about just general investigations and supervising um, detectives. And that was a good learning experience for me as a, as a pretty young sergeant. And then I went to the human trafficking division and I was there for a couple years, maybe uh, doing that work. That was important work. I was really, really fortunate to get the opportunity to do that. Um, just working closely with victims and seeing how, um, you know, human trafficking, sex trafficking affects people and families and trying to get people um, out of that life and onto something more positive. And then I went from the human trafficking detail to the personnel division. Um, I was the first ever recruitment manager at the police bureau. And at the time, um, you know, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really want to go to the personnel division. You know, being a detective sergeant's a great job. And then it's like, oh, personnel. Yeah. But um, at the time, um, it was... You know, it was a time where we were really needing bodies, and I was approached to come there and help us recruit, um, help us recruit diverse candidates. And I had some ideas that I thought would be helpful there. So I ended up there and, you know, worked on a a program with John Jay College in New York to try to bring um, some diverse candidates from the East Coast here to Portland. Um, We had two recruiters at the time who did a really fantastic job. Uh, We did a lot of recruitment events together and were able to hire a lot of people in the time I was up there. So I'm really proud of that. And then you made your way to the chief's office for a little bit, (laughs) from what I recall. Yeah, I was a sergeant in personnel. Then I took the lieutenant's test, and I got promoted to lieutenant in 2017, and then went to the behavioral health unit. And I was there for about 12 weeks, and then uh, chief outlaw asked me to come up to the, the chief's office and be her adjutant. Tell me about that experience. What was it like? I, I think it's, you know... It's really um, eye-opening sometimes for people to come up and work alongside a chief and not really having that day-to-day, um, you know, view of what it, a chief goes through. So tell me a little bit about that experience. You know, that was probably a large part of the reason I'm sitting here today was having that experience. Um and it's different, I think, when you have a, a chief come from the outside and then you come up as, you know, the adjutant and you work very closely with that chief um, at a time, too, where a lot of people internally don't don't know that person. Um, it's very interesting because people are very curious, too. They want to know, you know, what's this person about? What are they like? What, what do they like? think about what this? Like? What do they think about that? And, um, you know, for me, I just wanted to come up and be a good support person. I think for me... Um, I had really good, and still do, have really good relationships outside the police bureau and internally, and I wanted to to utilize those to help her acclimate to the to the police bureau in the city. And I think um, in that job, it, it's really important to to have a sense of of what the chief needs to be successful. And there's so many things that are involved in it that you see that you never really think about until you're up here actually in the chief's office. Throughout your career, you hear so much about the 15th floor, the chief's office, this or that, but until you're here and you see it and you experience it, um, it's really kind of an, an eye opener. And I think a lot of the time we, we got to spend just, um, 
with community leaders, with people in the city internally, with um, the commissioner's office, mayor's office. Um, a lot of that, I think, was really informative and helped me, um, I think, throughout my career since then. And so then Chief Outlaw leaves and uh, Chief Resch begins her tenure and you went to Community Services Division, correct, at that point? Yeah, I went to the Community Services Division just prior to Chief Outlaw leaving. The Community Services Division oversaw the Behavioral Health Unit and we did a lot of um, community type events and we also did a lot of work with our advisory committees as well. So then, you know, as we know, the world kind of came apart um, in 2020, first with COVID. And I know at the police bureau, it was, um, for all of us personally, it was really difficult to transition um, to have part of us working uh, at home suddenly. And then, of course, our coworkers who couldn't work at home still doing their jobs and uh, in a really scary time. And I think uh, we were managing it pretty well. And then uh, we had the murder of George Floyd, and that sort of changed everything, didn't it? Yeah, it did for me, for sure. Um, I think that'll go down as probably one of the one of the most impactful, memorable times for a lot of people's career. Um, at the time, I was working in the community services division, but I. I came down to Central Precinct to help out as uh, the commander. I was doing a lot of the crowd control stuff, so Central Precinct really needed um, someone to be there during the day and night shift um, just to kind of run the precinct. So I was down there for a while helping out. And then I came up to the chief's office uh, for a little while to assist Chief Resch um, just with really community stuff, uh, meeting with people, getting connections, talking through some of the things that we had going on and figuring out what the path forward was going to be. And so for our listeners who don't know, Chief, Chief Resch at the time said that she made the decision to step aside. She felt like it was the right time um, and that you were the right person to be the next chief. And so you got tapped suddenly into this role in June of 2020 um, at a time where certainly we were uh, in crisis. What, what were you thinking? What went through your head? <laughs> no? <laughs> no, thank you? <laughs> no, be honest. I, for, to, to me, I think my, my head was saying no, but my heart, you know, said yes. Uh, it's a tough decision. Um, it's a tough time. I don't know if there's any even long-time seasoned veteran chiefs who had an answer for what was going on at that moment in time. And for me, um, I think it really boiled down to the, the feeling of if there's anything I could possibly do to help the organization that I care about, the community that I care about, um, I have to try to do it. I couldn't say no. And, and then I, I think I would have felt, uh, you know, for, for however long, maybe the rest of my life that maybe I'd turn my back on, you know, the organization or the city. And I didn't, I didn't want that, but I think it was a very, very tough time, very daunting. And, you know, during that time you'd walk the streets and there'd be all kinds of horrible things written on buildings. And, um, it was not a time where you'd really want to be the face of, uh, of a police department. You know, Chief, you and I have talked about this, and you're actually the 12th chief that I've worked under in 25 years. And 
I don't recall anybody having to step in at a at a more of a critical time for the city for the agency and but in a way as I'm sitting here and, and listening to your story I'm thinking that everything sort of prepared you for this this time even you know your childhood growing up and seeing you know as a child of somebody who was dedicated to service and then you serve your country and then you come to Portland and you continue service and you f- find that you're good at it and you're good at at helping people and solving problems and then even your career here and now of course your time in personnel because if anyone hasn't heard we are hiring <laughs> and <laughs> and yes. you know how to recruit so you know every, all of your past experiences kind of led you to this this point and now you're leading an agency that is got a staffing shortage a critical staffing shortage and um Things are getting brighter, and we're now able to hire. So tell me about where you see us going in the next few months. Yeah, well, I I think it's probably worthwhile to touch on what you said about the preparation. I think for me, when I look back at my life, it's really been about some type of service ever since my first job as a paper boy. I think that was probably one of the most formative um, experiences for me in terms of learning about service to community and people. Like I said, when I moved from, you know, Brooklyn, I was seven and we moved from essentially an all black neighborhood to an all white neighborhood. And that was a, a tra- an important transition for me at that time too, was really, you know, trying to, to learn a new environment. And then when I was in, I don't know, probably sixth grade, around 12 years old, I had my first job as the neighborhood paper boy. So I would get up and ride my bike and deliver newspapers every morning. And um, once a month, you would have to go collect the money for the newspaper. And I had about 50 or 60 people on my paper route. And uh, I'd have to go knock on their door. And, you know, you have this relationship that you form as a young kid with these adult you know, people in your neighborhood. Some would open the door two inches and slide a check out and then close the door. Others would open the door and say, hey, come on in. We're just about to sit down to dinner. And there'd be a a plate for you at the dinner table. And you would, you know, spend time with them and their family. And, you know, over time, you got to know those people. Um, I had keys to most of the people's, you know, houses in my neighborhood because I'd watch their plants and pick up their mail or feed their pets while they were gone or, you know, that sort of thing. And that, that, for me, really solidified the importance of community and, and being part of the fabric of a community and community service. My mom had a daycare center at our home when I was a kid too. She she worked um, in the home for a long time, but she worked outside too, worked two jobs a lot. But um, she was like the neighborhood uh, daycare mom. And I remember just her commitment to service. Like there'd be times where people would be having hard times and maybe couldn't pay. And my mom was like, oh, don't worry about it. You, you know, you need to work, just bring bring your kid over and we'll figure it out later kind of thing. And they're both just really kind of committed to, to helping people. And I think that's where I get it from. But ever since I was 12 years old, I think I feel like I've been in some type of service to people. We're sitting in your office today and, and you hung a replica of our badge that says public servant that you had made. What made you make that? Yeah, that was one of the first things I wanted when I got promoted to chief. And, um, you know, 
most people would be like, oh, I'm the chief. I'll get, you know, something that says chief on it <laughs> or, you know, this chief stuff. And I, I don't look at it that way. To me, we're all public servants. I was a, you know, I, when I got hired, I raised my hand to come serve the public. Uh, it wasn't to be a chief or detective sergeant or lieutenant. It was, you know, to be a public servant. And I think when I look at my job, it's through that lens, through that frame. It's, it's, uh, it's not about what rank you hold or what position. It's about, you know, being a public servant and serving in whatever role. I'll, I'm the chief today. I won't be the chief forever. I'll be serving in some other capacity at some point in my life. And, you know, I think about just the work that we do. I think that frame of just public servant and service is, um, is really important to keep at the forefront. What would you say to officers who are struggling maybe um, about staying here and, you know, wondering if it's worth it, wondering if maybe they should go somewhere else? We've, we've had a lot of people retire and resign over the last 18 months. And what would you say to the people that are still here and the people that we want to bring on? Why come to work for the Portland Police Bureau and, and why work for the Portland Police Bureau? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing I would tell people that are here is thank you. You know, thank you for the work you do every day. Thank you for continuing to be here. It has not been an easy time for police officers anywhere um, the last year and a half or so. And I think it's important to to look back and remember why you wanted this job in the first place. Um and I think most people I talked to wanted this job because they wanted to have a meaningful impact, help people, help a community, um, make things better in some respect. And I think there's no more important time to do that than right now. Right now, I also believe we're turning a corner. I think we're coming into a time where people really feel the need for police officers. They feel the need for good policing. Um, and I think now more than ever is a time to, to really lean in and provide that service. I think we're coming around the corner to, to a much better place than we have been in the last year and a half. And I would urge people to, to really reflect on what doing this job means and the impact that you can have doing it. So on the flip side, what do you say to the people who work and live in Portland about some of the rising crime and some of the violence that, that it, we've been experiencing. Yeah. You know, it's sad to see, I, you know, I think for me, I believe at the end of the day, we have a, a great city. We have a, a city with great people that care and they want to see the city be the best it can be. I think we're going through a time right now where um, there are some definite struggles. Shootings are way up. Um, our homicides are, are higher than they've been. Uh, property crime, uh, some property crimes are on the rise. And I think we're, we're in, a, in a time now where we all want to see things get better. But I think in order for that to happen, we all have to, to work together. Uh, the police bureau is now in a time where we've been given some support and we have to now start executing on how we turn that support into tangible bodies and things that are going to help uh, the city improve. But I also think at the same time, the police aren't the solution to all the problems in the city too. And there's a lot of opportunity to really collaborate and figure out how we're going to fix, you know, some of the other things that are ailing the city, like, uh, you know, our, our homeless crisis, uh, mental health services and things of that nature. And I think it's an opportunity for everybody to lean in and, and see where, where they can fit in to help 
help make those improvements. Well, Chief, today was just supposed to be a little conversation with you, give people some insight into the kind of person you are and your vision going forward. I know you've got other things to do. Your phone's beeping, your computer's beeping here, so we're going to let you go. But uh, we always ask one question here at the Talking Beat to end it, and that is, what's your favorite kind of donut? We embrace our stereotypes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll have to go jelly-filled no jellyfilled. yeah it's so messy you take a bite it squirts out and then you got it on your uniform Mm -hmm. but it's still (laughs) my favorite okay with that thank you chief yeah thank you my pleasure thanks for listening to the talking beat do you have a question for us? You can call and leave a message on our dedicated voicemail line at 971-339-8868 or send us an email to talkingbeat at portlandoregon.gov. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. More episodes can be found at our website, portlandoregon.gov police podcast. <laughs>